not that I don't have anything to say. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. This is just, uh, I was going to eventually land here, but I feel like this is what the Lord wants to say. Um, this morning we may circle back and hit a few things. Uh, you know, I said earlier that the beauty of being a part of a body is that He speaks, and He speaks through different vessels but he gets his message across. And uh, the entirety of what I was going to share on this morning was about, you know, I preached for two or three weeks about Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not uh, eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the person of Holy Spirit. And, um, and, um, as I was praying about that, and then Jim and Nanette and I were talking this morning early, and uh, he said, I just really feel like the Lord is saying, will you follow my agenda for the day? And that's always our heart and our intention, but it's good to just bring it back to the front and go, you know what, will we follow what he's doing no matter? And um, it's a process, but he's so gracious to continue to direct, and I just love when I see him speaking through so many and saying the same thing. If, if you didn't know when you walked in this morning, you better know he loves you. He went way out of his way to prove that, that he loves you and that he loves you right where you are. And that the Father sees us in the Son once you've been born into him. Now, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, man, what a great day to be here. Because today you can believe on him. That's what, when the Philippian jailer came in in Acts and uh, Paul and Silas had been singing, it said at midnight they sang praises and man, that'll preach. Ah! In the darkest time of, of hurt and pain and separation, they just worshiped. And when they did, their worship set everyone free. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's a word for someone. That in the dark time when you feel like you're locked up, bound, and there's no way out, if you will press into who He is and you'll worship Him, you won't be the only one who's set free. You'll set others free. That's what He wants. That's what He wants. Because when we worship, we set our gaze upon Him and we ascribe to Him what He's worthy of, not what we're in, but what He's worthy of. And then when others around you see that, you can, you can see worship on someone. Let me say it over here. You can see worship on someone, not their outward action about how, how uh, uh, demonstrative they are, but the per person of Holy Spirit upon them because of the worship that they live in, it's tangible. And you can bring people into freedom and they don't even know 
what's going on. They just know I'm, I'm around something I've never been around before and I need to know what it is. Our worship can literally set people free. And Paul and Silas at midnight, they were worshiping. And it says that the prison was shaken. That, that wasn't a spiritual prison. Wow. It was a physical prison. Uh, um, and you, we can see it in the accident. It says they were all in one, in one accord in the upper room, in one accord. And the, and the spirit came in so strong, the building was shaken. What are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. When the spirit manifests and shows up, it can shake the natural and the physical. We shouldn't be afraid of that. Throughout scripture, we see it. But they were there. They were in a physical prison. They were praying at midnight. They were praying, and the presence of the Lord came in. I bet, you know, it's a stretch here. I'm going out on a limb. But I bet they didn't have a worship team backing them up. I bet they didn't have a worship team backing them up. It was out of their heart. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So out of their heart, they knew who God was, and they just began to worship who he is. Not what he's going to do, but who he is. That's what's so beautiful. When we begin to worship who he is, what he does doesn't hold the same weight because we just want him. Yeah. And so they worship. And it says at midnight they worship and the, the walls were shaken. Everyone's bands were loosed. That's a miracle. They were in, because it says where they were, they were in the innermost part of the prison. So they were in, they were in maximum security. Right? Just in today's term. They were in maximum security prison. And when they began to worship, everybody got set free, but no one went anywhere. That's, to me, as much a miracle as everybody's shackles falling off. Because they were free in the natural, but they were arrested by the Holy Spirit. Oh, he's so good. But the Philippian jailer came in, and he was getting ready to kill himself. Paul says, don't, don't do any harm to yourself. Everybody's still here. And then his response to their worship and the supernatural act of everyone still being there, he says, what do I have to do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved. And your house can be too. So how did he enter into a relationship? By believing that Jesus is who he said he is and that he did what he said he was going to do and that we can be born into him. So today you can do that. You can believe into him. That's the gospel. That's the good news. The good news is not that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I shared that last week. The, the good news is all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but we've been justified freely by his grace. Verse 24, Romans 3:24, Being justified freely by his grace. Not your goodness, his grace. And when we believe that and we receive that, we walk in relationship with him. So if you've never been born again, then you're at the right place. And that's what he told Nicodemus in John 3. He said, don't marvel that I tell you, you must be born again. He didn't say you must be a good church attender. You must go to Bible college. You must do all that. He said, you must be born again. He explained it to Nicodemus. You've got to be born of water, which is natural birth, and born of the spirit, which is spiritual birth. So if you're here, I, I don't know why I'm so pressed for that this morning, but if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't leave 
without seeing myself or, or Jim or Dustin or one of the ones that you saw up here, Nanette, without seeing someone that you saw up here, just go to them and say, hey, I'm not sure that I have a relationship with Jesus, but I don't want to leave today without knowing that. We don't have to get the team back up here and sing just as I am. I'm not against it, but it doesn't have to happen that way. You can go right to them, as Jim said, right now. If the Lord, this, right now, if the Lord's stirring on your heart and you say, I got to know this man, Jesus. Jim, you can't miss Jim. Right there in the middle in the back in the red shirt, just go see Jim and say, I got to know him right now. And I promise you, I won't be upset. I'll be excited. So, Paul, writing in Ephesians, I'm going to back up some. I was going to start in verse 15, but I'm not. Verse 3. Let's just go to verse 1. Why not, right? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. To the saints, not the sinners, to the saints who are in Ephesus. Does that mean everybody in Ephesus was perfect? No, not at all, but that's who he's writing to. He understands his audience because of who they are in Christ. And he talks about that. I think uh, in Christ, the in Christ realities are, are mentioned or alluded to more in Ephesians than I think any of the other epistles. But verse 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as by sons as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. I, I just want you to know about every verse I've read right now is a sermon in itself. Of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. How does he see you? Accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Can you see where all the attention is here? It's on him. It's not on you. It's on him. Uh, where was I? I just lost my place. I got so stirred up. Having the in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, verse 10, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that he who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Verse 13. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Having done what? Believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who, not it, who, speaking of Holy Spirit, is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So, Everything that Paul's saying here is he's talking about everything that's already been done in Christ by the Father. Are you with me? Everything that's already been done, it's already taken place in Christ because of the Father. And then in verse 15, he starts praying for him. 
He said, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And here's what he's praying. And I want you to pay attention because this is what I feel the heart of the Father has been for us today. It's what he's been revealing, and it's what he wants you to carry. It's what he wants you to take with you today. He's not praying. Paul's not praying that they would get something they didn't have. Okay, I'm not going to trick you with this and say, was he praying? No, I'm going I'm to tell you right up front before I read it that he's not praying they would get something that they don't have. What he's praying is they would understand what they do have and start living from it. Not living for it, but living from it. There's a huge difference. Most of my Christian life was living for it instead of from it. I was living to attain it instead of living from what has been placed on the inside of me. So frustration comes from that. If I'm always trying to get something I don't have, I can be frustrated. But if I'm just trying to understand how to, how to use and, and steward what's been placed on the inside of me, it's totally different than trying to get something I don't have. I may not know how to steward it well, but I'm not trying to get it. I've just got to learn how to steward it. So Paul prays, and here's what he says. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom. So he does say this. He's giving to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That's the one thing he asked for. That the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding would be enlightened so that they would be opened. Why? That you would know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Right? He wants your eyes to be open that you know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Who was the letter written to? The saints who were in Ephesus. So he said, I want you to understand what's on the inside of you. And he, in the eyes of the Father, here's what took place. Adam sinned. There was a separation between God's order and plan for man and his will being done on the earth. Sin separated that. It didn't, it didn't keep, sin doesn't push God away to where he can't deal with us. If that's the case, then, then Genesis is wrong. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, God came looking for them. So it's not sin that separates us. It's the lie that we're not who God says we are that separates us. So... God, Jesus came in a man, as a man in, the, in a body to redeem the body. Because this is what has authority on the earth through our spirit. Oh, Lord. So what I mean by that is he said, the heaven, even the heavens are, are the Lord's, but the earth he's given to the sons of men. He told Adam and Eve in Genesis, he said, when he created, he said, you have dominion, you have authority over everything that's created, every bird, every fish, over everything, you have authority. So when he said that, he was including Satan and all the power of the enemy, that man had authority over him. When Adam sinned, he gave away his birthright as a man to the earth to have authority over the enemy. And when Jesus came, born of a virgin, his blood came from his father. He came and he, in an earth suit, in a body, he redeemed man and gave authority back to man. So our body is amoral. Our body's not good or bad. 
It's dependent on where you yield it. And that's what Paul talks about in Romans. He said, if you yield it to sin, it's bad. But if you yield it to God, it's powerful. So we have the right and the ability to yield this body. That's why I think the Lord speaks out so much about sinning against our body. Because it's our body that's the, that gives us right and authority to, to rule and reign on the earth. So Jesus came in a body. He restored relationship between God and man. He brought us into his family. He restored relationship between God and man. And he said, as he is, 1 John 4, 17, as he is, so are you in the earth. As Jesus is. So Jesus came and he established his kingdom. He's a king. He came from heaven. He came and he established his kingdom on the earth. It wasn't a physical kingdom. That's where the Jews missed it. They were expecting him to come and set up his reign to free them from Roman oppression. But Jesus said twice, in, uh, once in Luke and once in John, he said, my kingdom doesn't come with observation. And if my kingdom was of this world right now, then my, my servants, my subjects, they would fight for me. But that's not what I'm setting up. Jesus was establishing a spiritual kingdom. Is everybody lost? Are you with me? You're with me, okay. He established a spiritual kingdom, and this spiritual kingdom is, is uh, administered on the earth through the believer. That's good news. And we have diplomatic community in this land. We have diplomatic immunity in this land. So that means that in this land, I can operate from the one I'm from. And I'm only subject to the laws of that one. Sweet Jesus, you're so good. So if I understand that, even in the natural, when you've got someone who's an ambassador from a land, they can be here in, in the country. You've all seen NCIS or all these other shows, and there's an ambassador come over, and he commits a crime, and they can't touch him. If he's in his house, if he's in his car, that's a sovereign place. They can't touch him because he's under the authority of his government, not ours. Even though he's here. And Jesus said... I came and established my kingdom, and I put my spirit in you so that you can rule for my kingdom, tag you're it. Now, if we walk around outside of that, it's not his fault. So that's what he was saying here. That's what he's wanting them to understand in Ephesians. And you've got to understand, Acts 19, these people in Ephesians are the one, when Paul comes to Ephesus, he said, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, we didn't know where there'd be a Holy Spirit. Acts 19, Ephesus. So, <laughs> woo! <laughs> he's not only talking to believers, he's talking to spirit-filled believers. So if you're here, we were talking about tongues of fire. You've been saved, maybe stuck, walking around the mountain, You've got the good rope, you know, you've tied a knot in the end of it, and you're hanging on until Jesus comes to rescue you. There's good news. There's more. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. You can be baptized in the Holy Spirit with tongues of fire, with power and authority. That's what Jesus said. He said, wait in Jerusalem till you be endued with weirdness. No, he didn't. He said, till you be endued with power. It might look weird to the world, but the world looks pretty weird to me. Wow. 
We should be a peculiar people. So Paul, he goes to Ephesus. He, have you heard of the whole, have you been, have you received the Holy Spirit? We didn't know where there'd be a Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to leave that alone. I'm just going to keep going. Keep going, Todd. Focus. Don't get off. We don't even know where there would be a Holy Spirit. So he said, and what were you baptized? We were baptized, baptized with the baptism of John, which was repentance. So he was saying, we got to move past repentance into relationship. we got to get past repentance into relationship with the person of Holy Spirit who wants to live in you and empower you. And they said, we want it. He said, good. Baptize them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were speaking in tongues. Tongues of fire. Testify. I'm sorry. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in fire. That's what Paul, that's what Jesus said. Go wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. And when the Holy Spirit came, he keeps saying this to me, and I keep saying it to you. When he came, it didn't look like what had been prophesied it was going to look like. Joel said it's going to look like this. Your sons and daughters will prophesy and all that. What happened? They're all in the upper room. A wind comes in. That would get your attention if all of a sudden it sounded like we were in a jet engine. And they look around, and there's fire on everybody's head. And they just start, and they're going, you know, I think something different happened. He said, go wait for power. Not sure this is exactly it. But there's something welling up on the inside of me. And these who had been cowering and hiding now came out of the room with boldness. Paul is writing to those believers in Ephesus in this book. So he's saying, I want you to understand who, not what, who is in you. And if he's in you, here's where you should be walking and what it should look like. No. Man. Going back to verse 10. I'll get, I'll get back into Paul's prayer, but I'm going to go back to verse 10 because it says this, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both what are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Because he talks about that we already have these blessings these spiritual blessings in spiritual places, in the heavenlies. We have these spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. But he wants us to understand that they're ours. So what I want you to understand is this. Spiritual supersedes physical or natural. Spiritual supersedes physical or natural. When we, by faith, grab hold of it. So he said, you're already blessed with spiritual blessings in heavenly places. But what I want you to understand is Christ came from heaven to earth. And verse 10 right here says, and he brought together the things which are in heaven and the things which are on earth. <laughs> so it was already said, uh, Josiah said, there's a gap. Jesus is the gap. He's the, he's the mediator. He's the one in the middle that said, here's heaven. And where God is, and here's man who was created in the image of God, but sin turned their back on God and gave away what God had for him. And Jesus grabbed heaven, and he grabbed earth, and he brought them together in him. That's what verse 10 says. He brought them together. So when Paul is praying, what he wants you to understand is, I'm not praying for your 
for something that's way off that you have no access to. He said, what I want you to understand, through the person of Jesus Christ, they've been brought together. And you're in him. And verse 6 says, you're not just in him, you're accepted in him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you might know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance that's in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and lie. And every name that is named, they added lie in there, Every name is name, not only in this age, but also in the one which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So he's saying, I want you to understand what's been placed on the inside of you. And then he says this, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. But look, he far above. It says that he worked, verse 20, which he worked in Christ Jesus, the exceeding greatness of the power that he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above, say far above, far above all principality and power. And this, I'm just going to say it. If it upsets you, I'm sorry. It's, a, it's probably a religious belief you've got. So we don't have to cast that. We don't have to pull down strongholds if we're above them. Only when we position ourselves under them. What are you saying? I'm saying we can live from a different realm because we're seated in that realm with him. So instead of walking around, we just got to pull down strong hell, casting down. And I believe Corinthians talks about it, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So you have to go back to what is the knowledge of God? That I'm in Christ, and Christ is seated in heaven. I'm seated in heaven with him. I'm accepted in heaven with him. So when I pray and when I speak, I speak from heaven to earth. And here's what I can tell you. If I'm seated in him, there's not a principality, there's not a power, there's not an authority over him. So I don't have to reach up and pull anything down. I can cast down. Well, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in the age, but also unto the coming. Listen to this. Verse 22, and he put all things under his feet, under Christ's feet, and then he gave him to be the head over all things is added there. It's in italics. He gave him to be the head over all to the church, over everything. So Christ is the head. We're the body. And where did it say that he put the principality and powers? Under his feet. He's the head. We're the body, and the power's under our feet. Again, we shouldn't be reaching up and grabbing any demonic or any power that tries to exalt itself above Jesus. It's not over us, it's under us. If we believe the lie, we can place it in our mind over us, but it's positionally under us because Jesus put it there. When? When he brought what was in heaven and what was on earth, when he brought it together in the person of Jesus Christ, and then he put us in him. He said, now this is where I want you to live from. In him, and that's what Paul's prayer is, that we would not just know about it, but that we would live from that place in him, that because of what he's done. <clears throat> Again, go back to verse 3 of, of chapter 1. Blessed 
be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So I want to read this in the, from the New Living Translation. It says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. You hear that? He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Has blessed, <clears throat> when referring to God, it means this, to cause to prosper, to make happy, to bestow blessings upon. There's Greek definition of the word uh, has blessed. It's literally one word, blessed. But has blessed, it means this. When referring to God has blessed us, it means this, to cause to prosper, to make happy, to bestow blessings on. So if the enemies lie to you and say, in this world you can have joy, but you're not sure about happiness, that's a lie straight out of the pit of hell. Now, if your happiness is based on what's going on around you, then you're in trouble. But if your happiness is based on the fact that Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave, and he placed you on the inside of him and sat down with you in heaven and said, this is where we're going to live from now, I'm pretty happy about that. I'm pretty happy about that, and you should be too. Also, this word has blessed is in the aorist tense, and that means that there was a point in time in the past when all these blessings were obtained and given to us. Has blessed. So it's not something we're trying to get from God. Well, God, if you just bless me in this area, if you just bless me in this area. What he's saying is, I want you to understand you're blessed in me, and I want you to start living from me. And if I live from him, then I call those things which be not as though they were, because that's what he did. That's not new age. That's our creation right. Because when he created Adam, what was the first thing he did? He said, I'm going to let everything that's made pass by you, and you're going to tell it what it is. Yeah, Selah. Adam, I'm going to bring it by. Why did he tell Adam that? Why didn't he tell Adam, this is a fish, this is a giraffe, this is what I want you to call this. Because heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he's given to the sons of men. He gave earth to man, so when, when the things of the earth came by, he said, Adam, guess what? You tell them who they are and what they do. <laughs> it's true. I'm not changing it or making it up. I'm just telling you it's there, and we've looked over it. Go back. Read it. It's what he said to man. He said, this is who you are. No function in it. Then Jesus said the same thing. This is who you are. Function in it. And that's what Paul was praying. He prays again in Ephesians 3, and I won't go through it today. Um, but he said, The kingdom of God is not eat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In Galatians, he talks about the, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, he said the fruit of the Spirit is this. What are the first three? Love, joy, and peace. The fruit of the Spirit, not fruits. Fruit of the Spirit, not spirits. Holy Spirit, the fruit of Him being in you is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, temperance, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law and i probably messed up the order some might even dropped one out but he said the fruit of the spirit 
of Holy Spirit, the evidence of Holy Spirit functioning in you is love, joy, and peace. And it's not a man love that I can love you because you love me back. It's a God love that can hang on the cross and say, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. It's that love. It's the love that John talked about that will forge any mountain, any rock, any, anything. And our, at our house right now, we've got a little creek beside us. My battery just now is back. We've got a little creek beside our house, and we had, in one of the hurricanes last year, I think it was Matthew, we had a tree go over, and when it went over, it blocked this little creek. And uh, so there's this tree, and I'm, I'm saying the tree's this big around, and the root system and all that, it pushed dirt into the creek and blocked it, and it would have to rain really hard, and it would just go over what was blocked. But I was out there not long after, uh, I don't know how long it was, after the storm, and I heard water running, but it looked like it was still. I'm like, that's odd. How's the water running? I can see that it's dammed up because where the tree pushed all this dirt and it blocked it. So I'm just standing there and I'm listening. We have deer, so I feed them. Um, can't shoot them because I'm in the city. Um, but we feed them. And I'm, I'm feeding the deer and I'm listening. I hear water running. And I start looking. And in the bank, you couldn't see it. In the bank, I saw a leaf just go and it shot into the bank. Into the wall of the bank of the, of the creek, water was pouring in. And I walk on the other side of the stump, and I look, and it's coming out under the tree stump. When it got stopped, that water didn't say, oh, snap, we're just going to have to die here. We're just going to have to stop because this big old tree is bigger than little old me. I'm just a little bitty stream. I'm not a river. I'm just a little stream. You know what it did? It said, nope, there's a weakness somewhere. There's a crack somewhere, and I'm going to get it. That's his love pouring into us. He said this, by this, so all men know my, you're my disciples if you do what? If you can out-debate. If you can love one another. By this will all men know you're my disciples. Why? Because now abides faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Why? Love is not weak. Love is powerful. Love will find a way. When it looks like everything's dammed up and stopped up, love says, nope, I'm persistent, and I'll just keep coming and coming and coming and coming. And that's what he's saying this morning. My love just keeps coming and coming and coming. And if you'll just keep tuned to me, you don't have to figure it all out, but if you'll just let it, eventually it'll break through. It'll find a spot where you can receive it, and it'll just become the flood then that just pours through, and all water starts running through. And you can experience freedom that you didn't even know was available. That's his love, and that's what Paul was praying here. God, let them see, he was saying. Let them see what's already on the inside of them. Amen, let's stand. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for your amazing love that it pursues us, that calls and beckons us, that, that draws us in. Thank you that Romans says the love of God's been shed abroad in our hearts. So we don't have to pray for the love of God. It's been freely given. All we have to do is yield to it. To give it right away in that part in our heart. And I, Lord, I still feel in my spirit that there are those that just think, oh, it's too good to be true. You don't know me. Thank God I don't have to know you, but he does. And while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. So no matter what mistake we've made, his blood is greater. His love reaches further. And he's calling each of us into his bosom, afresh and anew today. So God, as Paul prayed, I pray that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened. 
we would know what is the hope of your glory. What are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints? It's in us, Lord. Let us know the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints. Thank you, Jesus, that you brought together the things in heaven and the things on earth. Us. You brought your spirit realm, your kingdom to earth in Christ Jesus. And you said, tag, you're it. Be my ambassadors. That's what Paul said in Corinthians. You're therefore ambassadors of Christ. So, Lord, I thank you that we're sons, we're ambassadors, <clears throat> that we're kings and priests. It goes on and on and on how you, we could describe how you see us and what we should be walking in. So I thank you for a person of Holy Spirit because without him we'll never be able to receive it or understand what's already been given. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, right now to open our hearts and minds to receive the love that you've been pouring out all day. <clears throat> I thank you. That your love is overwhelming. Lord, I just declare that even in our sleep, those that have been struggling with or just beginning to embrace your love, that even in sleep, God, in the, in the night, you'll give them dreams of your love. Because it's your love that covered the multitude of our sin. So we look to Jesus. We don't make light of mistakes or failures, but we look to Jesus and we make much of him that his blood speaks of better things. And we say yes and we say amen to the blood that speaks better things over us. In Jesus' name, amen.